0: Hello, and welcome to the Zero to Hired podcast, the show that helps struggling job seekers find a career that's right for you. In every episode, we have one mission, to provide you with unique tips and strategies from leading industry experts that will get you in front of hiring managers. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey everybody, it's John here with another episode of the Zero to Hired podcast. This week we've got a very special guest and his name is Hugh Cumberford. Hugh hey. Comberford is a master practitioner and NLP trainer. And some of you might be wondering what exactly is an NLP trainer. By the end of this episode, you will definitely know. Hugh, Hugh I, I came to know Hugh because I've actually taken some of his courses and his programs. They've been a, immensely beneficial for me. So, I thought I would bring some of that into our podcast today, so he could share some of his his insights with all of us. So please help me welcome Hugh Cumberford. Is this where like the crowd? Yeah, this is where the crowd is (laughs) supposed to be. Ah, yes. Hey, Hugh, welcome to the show, man. (laughs)
0: Thanks,
1: man. And uh, we're really excited to have you here. I know you got a lot of good stuff that you're going to share with the audience, the zero to hired audience. Uh, in and around helping them be their best for when it comes to interview and interview skills and really how to put themselves in the right Mindset which is where I'm thinking we're gonna go with this yep. and getting them prepared. So welcome. Thank you So, you know one of the thing I like to ask all my guests is you know How did this all come together for you? How what's your backstory?
0: You know what a lot of um, My story comes from um, When I was in a place that I could not actually sit through an interview because I was way too nervous. And um, I was trying to, I was in a bit of a tough place in my life and getting hired required me, you know, being in an interview, sitting with people and that was a little bit difficult for me. Um, So I learned about NLP by reading a book and uh, at the back of the book there were seven places on earth where you could be trained in an LP and I went to a place in Ottawa I actually drove I commuted 180 kilometers in the morning and 180 kilometers back home and at the end of that course it turned my life around and I was able to as I put it kind of rejoin society and and um it transformed my life very quickly after. So what exactly is NLP? Because we keep using
1: the acronym NLP, but NLP
0: stands for something. It's Neuro Linguistic Programming. And uh, John Grinder, the person who coined the phrase, once told my trainer, never ever let me name anything again because it sounds kind of sinister and creepy. <laughs> um, the truth is there, there's, um, there's an accepted or an understood definition of NLP, which is Uh, NLP is a set of behavioral change techniques that um, are super effective and super short, meaning you don't have to go to a coach for six months, you don't have to go to a training for six months, everything can happen really in a compressed time frame. The truth, however, is that NLP is uh, very different. NLP is a set of tools and techniques, and I'll get a little technical here, to extract The constituent elements of genius. So in other words, someone who is spectacularly talented at doing something, using the tools of NLP, you model what they're doing, and then create a model, and then teach that model to other people. The thing is that the originators of NLP, their first models were spectacularly effective therapists, people who were able to create behavior change in short periods of time. So that's who they modeled. And A lot of NLP training is the models. You learn how to help someone overcome anxiety in a situation, how to help someone calm down in um, maybe even an interview situation. Mm -hmm. NLP, if you know someone who is the best interviewee on the planet, I could sit down with them for a couple of hours and break down what they're doing unconsciously, which is way more important than consciously, in order to deliver a spectacular interview. Nice. So, this this
1: anxiety, so you, you touched on this and, and conscious versus unconscious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know it, it's, to some people it might seem a little like yeah, a little of, weird. Yeah, yeah, a little weird and a little different because it's not something that is uh, woven into our fabric, right? Like, it, it's not something that we talk about quite a bit.
0: No, it's actually, um, it's funny. I was first trained a long time ago and a lot of the stuff that's even that's more acceptable now in 2018 was really difficult mm-hmm. a zillion years ago. Um, here's the here's the data though, um, and this comes from the field of neuroscience. Neuroscience has um, accidentally, it, without really intending, neuroscience the field of neuroscience has proven a lot of how NLP works and why NLP works, and the data is that every second. For the scientific minded of us this will make sense every second we are bombarded by data we're bombarded not just television and computers and all of that stuff but just natural light comes with an entire spectrum of different colors and if you look at all of the colors that are touching your eyes right now it'll number in the hundreds of thousands add in the sounds add in the feelings add in the smells and tastes and you have about four to 10 billion bits of data hitting you every single second. A part of your brain is called the reticular activating system, and it filters that four to 10 billion down to 2,000 workable bits. And those 2,000 bits are what your brain filters through to make you safe, to keep you safe. Of the 2,000, you have any given second four bits of data that you can attend to in real time. So if, I, if you're scratching your chin, you are completely unaware of the feeling of your toes and your shoes. But then when you become aware of your toes and your shoes, even though you're stroking your chin, you don't feel it. So that's four bits you can use at any given time. And I'll let you tie that to the interview process. But you can see where when we're under pressure in any way, what happens is all of our behaviors start to drop away. Mm-hmm. And we're left with reactions. Freeze, flight, fight. Freeze, fight, fight freeze flight fight that's the that's like yeah, yeah yeah so so
1: so for somebody in an interview and and i'm thinking you know i always try to think about my audience member and you know how do i how do i bring that to the forefront so i'm aware so when i'm in the room i can be aware of the four bits of information that are always around me so what's some of the things that i can do to to be
0: more present in that space that's a really good question um I could probably bombard you with about 500 things that you need to do in order to deliver an excellent interview. For example, I'll give you a couple and then we'll circle back. Okay. Yeah, because 500 is too many. Okay. 450?
1: Yeah. (laughs) 450 is good,
0: right? Never hide your hands in an interview, ever.
1: Never hide your hands.
0: Like right now, John and I are sitting at a table and I have my hands kind of clasped, and and they're kind of my hands are clasped under the table because of the way the, the room is set up. The thing is, if you're in an interview, oftentimes you're across a desk from somebody. Mm-hmm. And hiding of hands is unconsciously perceived as deception. Oh, so interesting! Like if you're, think about it. I'll, I'm looking at John, and I have my hands hidden underneath the table. I don't fully trust you right now. But if I put my hands up, it's, I feel more comfortable. Yeah, and it's it's completely unconscious. That's in the four to ten billion. Okay. So. The the easy um, the simplest answer, how to re- be really good in an interview, is to rehearse being in an interview so that being in an interview starts to become something that you're okay with. That it's not a new thing, that you're not nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Even if you sit with your friends and have them ask you goofball questions, that's better than just going in cold. And then when you start getting comfortable with people asking you questions, and you asking them questions as well, you can start to remember... That you keep your feet flat on the floor. So that's number two. Number one is keep your hands above the table. Yep. Keep your hands where they can see them. Where they can see them. Okay. And and here, I'll tell you really back, simply put. Human beings are always involved in staying safe at an unconscious level. If you are hiding your hands, somebody on the other (laughs) side doesn't know where your hands are and they're the most dangerous part of you. So unconsciously, they're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. If you have your hands, if you sit with on the edge of the chair with your feet planted just underneath your butt, without any effort, you can stand up. So that shows, that reveals anxiety. Oh. So, wow. You, okay. So we've got three bits of information. Yeah. Just so, I just want to make sure that we
1: stay on track. So hands above the table, feet flat on the floor, and you want to stay seated, not on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Because these are all things that subconsciously come up as,
0: wow, okay, this person's really nervous. This person's nervous or this person's dangerous. Hands under the table will be perceived as being a dangerous mm-hmm. person. Uh, sitting straight up in your chair because, and there's two pieces here, you will be perceived as being more trustworthy. And you, by sitting up straight, you will feel more trustworthy. Okay. There's, so there's interesting neuroscience here. There's a book by a guy named Paul Zack. Paul Zack. Okay. Paul Zack, He wrote about the neuroscience of trust and trust is not a zero sum game. Trust is something that builds. So John, if I show, if I give you something and say, I trust you, what's going to happen is by my trusting you, all of the chemicals in my brain that make me happy are going to increase. Okay. By you being trusted, the chemicals in your brain that make you happy are going to increase. So trust and lack of trust are virtuous or vicious cycles. If I don't trust, you won't feel trusted. All the unhappy chemicals yep. will happen race to the bottom and the opposite race to the top. So if you sit up straight, you'll perceive yourself as way more trustworthy as John adjusts. His I'm posture right to yes. more trustworthy. <clears throat> yes. But what that does is you're sending signals to them and to you. So the more, um, there's a there's a very famous um, TED talk by uh, a social scientist Amy Cuddy. Yes. Okay. And she talks about posture and how important posture is. It's not untrue and it's not an exaggeration. Some of her former colleagues actually wrote a paper challenging her uh, conclusions, and she reasserted where the data came from and why. So the way you hold your body is sending messages to yourself and to the world around you. So sitting up straight, hands visible, looking the person. And here's a killer one. Only look at the other person in their right eye. In their right eye. Yes.
1: But I'm looking at your left
0: eye right now. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. So, all right. Wow. Okay. So this is good. So for, for those of you listening out there, Like, this is gold, so I hope you're taking notes, because I am, and I'm not even the one going through the interview. So, I want to make sure I recap it. So, hands above the table, feet flat on the floor, you seated in your chair with your back straight. Back straight. And you're looking at the person in the
0: right eye. So, why the right eye? Why the right eye? Uh, It's an interesting question that I'll tell you straight up, I do not know the answer to. Okay. It comes from the animal kingdom that... Looking at the other person's left eye is a show of dominance. Looking at the person's right eye is a show of cooperation. Hmm. And you can play with this because if you have a friend and you say, okay, I'm going to look in one eye and and notice how do you feel right now? You say, hi, my name is Hugh. And you look at them in the eye, shake their hand. And then you go, hi, my name is Hugh. And you look at the other eye and shake your hand. They will feel a difference. Not everyone does, but about 50% of the population will feel intimidated when you look into their left eye. So if you're in an interview, I don't think intimidation is probably a good plan. No, I, I don't think
1: so. I, I, I don't ever remember it being a good plan. <laughs> no. Don't come in and intimidate me because
0: I won't hire you. Man. Yeah, and because if you look at um, a lot of TV shows that are um, where actors are not great, mm-hmm. you'll see when there's a close scene, the actors look from one eye to the other because they don't know which eye to look in. Super well-trained actors know this trick. Only look in the other person's okay. right eye because now you're sending a signal of comfort. But in a, an antagonistic scene, they shift eyes. Hmm.
1: Okay. I will, um, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Oh, oh that's a bad plan. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, definitely something to, um... Uh, it out. Something to think about the next time I'm, uh, I'm looking at people straight in the eye. because So, one of the things I talk about when I do the interviews and as I coach people, um, one of the steps that we have in our coaching program at the end is looking at people's physical appearance, people's body language, because yeah. this is important, right? Like, this is probably you know we, i don't know the stats they they shift they go from 70 to 90% is is visual yep. right versus what you actually say in the room right so how you present yourself your body language and all that stuff yeah. the the
0: stats the stat the, the most important stat is the words the actual words that come out are about 7% of your communication and 93% exactly. is how you say it and what your presentation is 93% yeah okay so
1: Outside of, you know, being visually prepared, which is this fantastic because now I'm going to have some really good material for you know, some of the stuff I'm going to do. Uh, what else can they do to, to effectively prepare and bring out their best self in terms of confidence across the table?
0: That's a really good question. I think the, the uh, preparation of them, themselves physically mm-hmm. is a big piece. Uh, I, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go backwards. I want to add one more thing. Uh, diaphragmatic breathing diaphragmatic breathing okay so just put that into simple language for those of us that don't know all all the fancy stuff so i'll tell you what you cannot be nervous if you're breathing properly it is physically impossible to be nervous if you're breathing in the right way if you're chest breathing you're breathing the wrong way so when you inhale and your chest inflates with air that's not the way to breathe when you inhale and your stomach fills with air that's the right way to breathe and if you take four or five diaphragmatic breaths, breaths from your stomach, mm-hmm. it will take away all anxiety and you can just be present in the moment. And then that's when the interview really begins, when you start to show your stuff. So this is something
1: I guess the candidates could do before they walk in the room, yep. You know, as they're sitting in the lobby or even as they're commuting back and forth, or not back and forth, but commuting to the interview, however that is, in the car or on the bus.
0: Yeah, and that's a really important thing. Sorry, I'm keeping Yeah, 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 in. no, that's good. This is but good. Here's the deal. As humans, because we're so designed to stay safe, we tend to do something that's really stupid, which is we imagine the worst case scenario. So when we go to an interview, we might be just think looking out the window of the bus, the car, whatever, but we'll start to have doomsday scenarios <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come into our heads. So we're actually rehearsing for what we don't want, rather than rehearsing for for what what we we do want. Yeah. Yeah. So when if you if you keep your body um, relaxed, you will you cannot be afraid, and you will be present. Two, whenever you start in anticipation, you know, doing the diaphragmatic, Mm -hmm. the proper belly breathing, on the way, if you come up with a scene in your head where you continually imagine the best case scenario. Because what you're doing is you're priming. You are literally programming your brain to take advantage of all of the possibilities that come up in an interview to have it end the way you want it to end. And in the same way, when we rehearse the worst case scenario, we're doing the opposite. We're kind of seeing how we can steer it into a ditch and then fail because we prove ourselves right.
1: Yeah. And actually, and what I find is some candidates and what I've heard from people is they try some of the challenges when they fail in interviews is because they're supplying an answer they think the interviewer wants instead of being genuine and real and authentic. So they're not, you know, they're, they're not being them their, their, their true self, right? They're, yeah. they're really, they're, they're shifting because the perception is I want to make sure that this person here like, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail, so I'm going to say this. Right. Versus I want to be successful, and if I was just my genuine self, then I
0: would be successful. This is perfect. Yeah, no, yeah. this is really cool. And that's a really good distinction. Focusing on not failing versus focusing on being successful. Mm-hmm. There's basically we're running away from pain or we're running toward pleasure. And in an interview process, saying what you think they want to hear is a recipe for disaster. Either yeah. disaster in the interview, or disaster three weeks later when you're not doing the job the way they anticipated, yeah. and you're trying to squeak through. So, really, being your authentic self is going to end up with a great connection between the job and the person.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. So, so, so you've given us some, some. Oh, wow! Some really good
1: stuff. So, and also, I, you know, in terms of Amy Cuddy and her stuff, I've been fantastic. I love it. Because actually, it's one of the things I do when I prepare when when I prepare for speeches and presentations. I take myself through a timeline. Nice. So yeah, so I'm gonna you have a particular process in how you can I'm gonna say power up before you actually walk into the room, right? Yep. Um,
0: so that's a really good question or a really good frame. So before um, before I do public speaking. I have a kind of a ritual that I follow, and it's a three-step ritual. The first ritual, the first thing that I remember is, um, I think of a time when I was so glad to be here. And when I say here, I put in air quotes, where I was so glad to be wherever I was. And maybe it was at a family gathering, maybe it was um, in in my room with the door closed and I just, everything was great. Mm It's just think of a time when you were so glad to be wherever you were and and see the pictures, see what you saw at the time, hear the sounds and really feel that feeling of being really excited about being where you were. Then you move to a second step, which is, I'm so glad you're here, Mm. where you remember a time and it doesn't matter who in your life, it doesn't matter what the circumstance, you remember a specific time when you're just so glad that the other person was there. So I'm so glad you're here. And once again, remember what you saw, hear whatever you heard, and really feel those feelings of being excited that someone else is there. Third step is being really excited because you have really awesome, genuine information to share. So you really want to share information. You want to give value. Yeah. Not overshare, but share. Give them good stuff. And once again, see what you saw, hear what you heard, and feel those feelings. Yeah. And I'll do that before I publicly speak. And my, you know, the kind of the three steps up to the microphone. Or I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited. I have great information to share. And then I come up to the microphone and I start talking. Yeah. And it's you giving value. Actually, this is one of the
1: things that we both, Connell and I, profess all the time: is walk in the room, offering value and giving value versus you know, this is who I, this is my experience. This is, you know, why you should hire me type of, you know, that type of mindset, you know, it's on you to hire me and, you know, you need to prove to me why you need to hire me. Like, I I don't, I don't prescribe to that because I don't think that's the right way to do it. But walking in and, you know, the three steps, you know, I'm happy, you know, think about that happy time, feel it, hear it. Uh, with just the the audio the uh, visual and the kinesthetics, right? Yeah. So this is so covering pictures, all the sounds the feelings. Yeah, yeah. so So I'm going to recap uh, The time that you felt happy I'm here a time you're you somebody new in the room is there So you're glad that they're there yeah. and then the third one is just being genuinely awesome and happy around You know, I'm here to share some very valuable information with you. Yeah.
0: Wow. cool and remember you've when you're in the interview, you've already passed the biggest hurdle. Yeah, yeah.
1: Being in the room is should be the easiest step. It's just introducing yourself. Yeah. So, 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 then why are people challenged with this? So, as a an NLP practitioner and, and master NLP practitioner, you know,
0: so why do people get stuck on this? I have a couple of answers. The two, two things jump into my head immediately is. One is um, that whole idea that public speaking is uh, greater than the fear of death. That's not true. No, I know it's not true. Nobody dies from a bad speech unless you're in a bad place. (laughs) 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 I I like that. I got to borrow that. Um, But what we fear is being examined and rejected. Yes. One of the most fundamental, elemental fears that humans have is rejection. And when we're in an interview process, we feel like we are in an in an unempowered state, where we are either being selected or rejected. You have a binary situation. You're either going to be accepted, yay, or you're going to be rejected, and that's the end of the world. And we're hardwired that way. The thing is that an interview is really a two-way street. Mm-hmm. That we have fifty percent of the power. We can. We can accept the company or we can reject the company. They can accept us or they can reject us But we're not in a disempowered place. And I think the the main answer to your question is people feel like they're either going to be blessed or cursed at the end of an interview or the worst is being in suspense and then they find out three weeks later, or they never find out what happened. Yeah, actually, that's it's it's a pretty common thing where people don't even find out why they were rejected, yeah.
1: and I think that's even more harmful. But you know, so just kind of building on top of that, and this is something I do in my workshops, which I and you know now that now I can understand why it works. In my workshop, I talk about you know when you're when you're in the room, you start with an A, and you, and I take you back to elementary school where. You know, the teacher has two, you know, they can start the way, the, sorry, they can start the year off two ways. They can tell you you have an E and you have to work your way up, or you have an A and your only job is to keep the A. And when you walk in the room with the A, you know you come from a power of position, like you come yeah. from a position of power, you come from a place of confidence, and you just, your focus is all there because you're already the best that you can be, yep. right? So this is so important. So. No, I'm really happy that you touched on this because this is exactly what we talk
0: about. Walk in with you know holding your A up high, and when you do that, you show up differently. I like that a lot. That's a really good way of putting it <clears throat> because if you walk in the the golden star, then you can maintain that throughout the entire interview as opposed to going in uh, at a really low level trying to impress to yeah. get up to that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big trap, wow. and that's I like the, the way you put that. Cool. Yeah, no, this is really good. So, this, so, so if there was one last
1: thing that somebody could do to really bring them best, the, their best selves to the interview room, out of all the things that you know and all the things that you understand about human behavior, you know, so what's the one thing, and maybe it's around preparation, right? So you know, they go through the process, they're, they're, they're applying to all these jobs, and maybe one or two will respond back. So what can they do from a, from a mindset perspective to really put themselves in the right
0: space? That's, uh, I think, you know, thinking about preparation is. So, yeah. So what can somebody do today? Yeah. I would, here, let me answer it in a way that you're not asking. Okay. (laughs) We've met. I do this. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) uh, What I would do is I would um, imagine the me who got the job. Okay. And then have that me who got the job. Give me hints about how to win the interview, how to do great in the interview. So in other words, if I project my thinking into the future, you know, six months into the job Mm -hmm. and then looking back on that interview, what hints would that future me have to tell me how to deal with the interview knowing that I'm going to get the job? So there's a, there's a frame in NLP called acting as if, okay. Without being cocky, without being a jerk about it, if you just act as if you're going to get it and it's a done deal and you just have to wait for time to catch up, you're going to behave in a very different way and it's going to be in a very powerful way. So in, a, in preparation, you just prepare for the outcome that you want mm-hmm. and then have that future you whisper some hints back in time. And guidance, yeah. yeah. So it's like reverse engineering almost. Pretty much. Work yeah. through, go to the outcome and then work your way back
1: exactly because then you build on all the different things that you need right so whether it's confidence it's skills it's experience um, you know it could be passion whatever whatever that is whatever
0: those steps are in between yeah and and you build the the best ingredients for an amazing interview experience yeah yeah because you you
1: already know what you're going to show up as wow okay cool yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really enjoying this. I got a lot of good, I got tons of notes here and I'm going to go back. I going to make sure I put some of the links into the show notes like I do in all the other podcasts. So Hugh, there's a couple of things that you do. So if people want to meet with you or, you know, if you've got events running, I know one of the things that you do is a, a meetup monthly. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that if people want to connect with you directly or find out more about NLP.
0: Sure. Uh, I do a monthly meetup in, uh, outside of Toronto in Mississauga where I it's really free form NLP. It's when ask me anything. I get uh, sometimes 10, 12 people and we sit around and they ask me questions about NLP. And I help them understand what it is and what it isn't because there's mm-hmm. a lot of misinformation out there. And um, I run a training as well on weekends, mm-hmm. uh, my my course is actually the most complete course in North America. Where yes, I can attest to that, it's true. <laughs> in a in a in a marketplace where sometimes you can get a weekend course, yeah, my course is super complete and not outrageously expensive. Based on I'm actually cheaper than people who do nine day trainings. Yeah. So, okay, so great. So people can connect with you. If they're they're located locally
1: in Canada or Toronto, they can come check out your meetup. Uh, They can also connect with you regarding your courses. Uh, If people want to learn, so we get a lot of people from overseas,
0: right? So if those people want to connect with you, what can they do? you know what um i'm actually building out an online version of my course nice and if they want if anyone's interested send me an email to hugh at nlpworks.com so hugh at nlpworks.com yeah i'll put the i'll put the link in the show notes so people have it i just want to gauge interest because i've been building it for years i have a bunch of information i just have to load it online in a sequence Good. You got a bunch of stuff you need to do this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're laughing. We're laughing because there's some uh, stuff going on in the background. But it's all good. And, uh, you know, it's great. So, so, Hugh, thank you for your time today. I, I know, uh, wow, you've given us some really good information. You talked about body language, how to do that in terms of our mindset, what to do around that, and really how to prepare. So this is good. And, you know, looking out in the future and talking and doing some reverse engineering. So you, you did a great job of covering all of that. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for, for chatting with the Zero to Hire the zero to Hire audience. I know they're going to love it. So, um, yeah, no, thank you and, and thank You're you. Welcome. Thanks again for everything. Thanks for Hugh. having me. Yeah, I know. All right, everybody, that is it. That is it for this episode of the Zero to Hire podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I know I did. I had fun just sitting in the room and interviewing Hugh. I know him personally. Uh, he's he's also my coach. You know, I, I talk about coaching and how important that is connecting with the best you know the your top five so you know hopefully you enjoyed this episode I know I thoroughly did and we will catch you next time thanks for
0: tuning in Thank you for listening to the Zero to Hired podcast. Make sure you check out our website, www.zerotohired.com and download your free resume template that's proven to get results, complete with examples and guidelines. Make sure you tune in as we interview leading industry experts who provide tips and strategies to help you get the career that's right for you.